0: It's episode twenty nine of Milwaukee's Tailgate Baseball Podcast, your weekly Milwaukee Brewers podcast. I'm Steve Garshinski, and with me is Ryan Top. JP is currently dealing with a biblical flood, I think, near his home. Yeah, biblical. Yeah, so he's he's
1: arc arc building. Yeah, he's <laughs> he's he's marching the animals on. Two I was going to say
0: he's gathering every animal in the neighborhood to try to get it on his uh, little yeah uh, Indiana arc. <laughs> Well, hey, he he sent us a picture, and uh, it's quite the flood going on. That yeah, the street looked flooded. <laughs> yeah, it did. So, uh, we hope he can get that taken care of, and then he'll uh, hopefully be back next week. So, oh, by the way, do you have your phone turned off? We don't want any notifications
1: while we're recording. Any notifications? Well, I don't know if you know this, but last <laughs> week you
0: spent like the first ten minutes we were trying to record, <laughs> trying to get like fantasy trade advice. <laughs> I'm I'm good. Maybe we'll make that an extra. I was surprised.
1: Honestly, when I listened to the podcast, I, I told my wife when we were walking around the uh, museum of natural history, I'm like, Oh God, uh, Oh God. I just sent a bunch of messages and they were recording and I cannot imagine what is going to be said about me. And then it was very underwhelming. You guys totally did not gun on me though. Breen did make a pointed comment. We were trying to be as professional as possible. Yes, it was. There was there was an element of professionalism to it, but yeah, I, I was I was surprised that I didn't get gunned on for that.
0: <laughs> well, that's why I'm bringing it up this week. So, uh, anyways, you can help fans find the podcast by rating and reviewing Milwaukee's Tailgate on iTunes. We want listener questions, so follow Milwaukee's Tailgate on Twitter at mke tailgate. Email questions to milwaukees.tailgate at gmail.com or follow our Facebook page. You can also follow the three of us on Twitter, and you'll find that in our Milwaukee's Tailgate Twitter bio. And finally, if you'd like to support the podcast, you can visit patreon.com slash tailgate. Our ball-and-glove patrons receive the monthly Minor League Extra podcast. And now it's a good time to go and uh, get on board with that because I think everything runs the first of the month. So if you want to make sure you get the next podcast coming up in March, join now, and then... uh, You'll get that, what, in about a week?
1: Yeah. Yeah, we'll... Yeah. Breen and I will probably record next Tuesday, Thursday, somewhere in that neighborhood. Yeah, so about... 10 days from now or something like that. Yeah.
0: Probably get it. So yeah, go, go there, uh, join up and plus you get a uh, question priority if you want to get your questions on the podcast. So, uh, Milwaukee's tailgate is sponsored in part by sound devices, a premier manufacturer of audio production gear, and they're located right here in Wisconsin. Sound devices gear is used worldwide and is found on the set of Oscar winning films and popular TV shows. By the way, do you know they use some of it to record uh long, strange trip interviews? The Grateful Dead uh, documentary. I did not know that they did. Oh, so Amir. Amir is a user. Uh, whoever he had for his audio guy is a, a person sure. who uses sound devices. So yeah, they got to like go in and
1: you it, found this out how?
0: Because I was talking to somebody who worked there, and oh, they said, gosh. "Well, okay, this is what it was." They asked me when we write a, a story about this, is it the Grateful Dead, capital T Grateful Dead? Or is it just Grateful Dead? Like, Hmm. basically, I was an AP style guide for the Grateful Dead. Okay, and there's no the. It's just Grateful Dead.
1: Yes, it's not. It's not like the cream. Yeah, you hear those old, those old, uh, or like when they talk about like the cream or the Led Zeppelin.
0: Yeah, exactly. Very weird, ridiculous. So, uh, anyways, if you're looking to create a professional sounding podcast, check out the MixPre Three and MixPre Six. For more information, visit sounddevices.com. Um, hey, spring training started. There's baseball on my TV. There's actually baseball on the TV. So
1: have and you, not like that weird Australian stuff either. It's like real big league American baseball. <laughs> that's the best way to describe it, I think. Well, yeah, I, well, maybe not big league, but, you Well, know, they're out there, you know. They're wearing uniforms. They're wearing uniforms
0: <laughs> and tossing the ball around, so, you know, that's good to see. Um,
1: have you gotten to watch any of the games yet? I only got to see just a little bit of the game on Friday once I got home. So I just caught bits and pieces of it. I did not see Corbin Burns shove. I, I missed that. So <laughs> That's what I, I was going to ask. In, about. in song and story, apparently. like Well, it
0: was kind of funny because that, that, that first uh, game featured uh, uh, Suter and then Guerra. I forget who went third, but then Burns came out in the fourth inning. Okay. So all the guys that we routinely talk about, you know, going after that uh, f- probably fifth spot in the rotation. Sure. They all had to, you know, show up that first spring training game and show why they deserve that rotation
1: spot, right? Against the Cubs. Against- and the, the air, air quotes are bad on a podcast, on pure audio format, but yeah, it's the, the quote unquote Chicago Cubs. How many guys did they actually bother sending? It was like hardly anybody. Well, right? I mean, they, they didn't even have to follow the rules. There were
0: nine guys on the field when they were playing. <laughs> or at they, least they sent a full compliment of players. I don't know. Will Ferrell might have been out there. <laughs> yeah. God. And uh, who's the kid from uh, Rookie of the Year? Rutabagar or whatever. <laughs> <laughs>
1: R- R- Rutabaga <laughs> right. well, what was it? Yeah, that was I one can't the remember. Games. I didn't watch that movie. I'm not a Cubs fan. Let's leave that stuff for my brother. Well, but you were twelve at the time or whatever, so it should have played right into it. Mm. 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 I Anyways, okay, hey anyway.
0: so spring training games have started.
1: And yes. So
0: what do you look for, you know, now that some of these games are being played? Like when you turn on a spring training game, are is it just background noise or are you actually like, you know, watching for anything in particular?
1: I'm hoping guys don't get hurt. Like that's number one. That like guys' elbows don't explode that first couple weeks because, like that happens. Brent Honeywell is out for the year has Tommy John surgery.
0: There we go. Now they got to shop Chris Archer down in Tampa Bay because they lost another reason to try to do anything.
1: Yeah. So I mean, you hope that nobody gets hurt, and you'd like to see guys do well in you know, who are fighting for, for jobs and positions. I wouldn't read anything into established big leaguers' stats. That's always foolhardy, especially because oftentimes they're doing, they're working on various things. And, you know, remember we were always every year waited for Ben Sheets' curveball to show up to camp. There was the annual, like, when will Ben Sheets' curveball come Well, yeah,
0: camp? I mean, guys are trying to get back into shape. And that he was especially the type of pitcher where you <laughs> got to get the feel for that curve and you were playing somewhere where it just doesn't want to break
1: sure yeah it's it's not a naturally conducive environment for it anyway, but so you want to see that and you'd like to see you know people like burns and we talked about this before, you'd like to see Corbin burns pitch well against big league hitters and look like he's you know he knows what he's doing, and apparently he really did. he was filling up the zone with good stuff against the cubs ish the cubs ish, sure, yeah. <laughs> But I mean it, it's better than not doing that. It would you know you'd rather see that It's hard to uh, it's hard to know exactly what their plan is. Going I to
0: okay. <laughs> <laughs> apparently we've got someone going to Costco.
1: Is it Costco bound yeah so. um, but yeah, I mean, and I think that one of the things we have to remember too is that teams when they're judging spring training performance and they're judging how a guy is doing and what they look like, they're not looking at the stats. They're not saying, well, this guy's, you, know, you know, doing whatever. They're looking at it at a much more granular, granular level. They want to see, you know, pitchers being, the mechanics being sound, first of all. They want to see them commanding their pitches, you know, knowing what they're doing, sort of staying on a, on a, a plan, executing what they're trying to do hitters they want to see a good at bat good process good you know taking advantage of of what's there but also just you know putting good swings even if they don't end up resulting in in what they're you know ultimately a hit or home run or whatever they're they're looking for the process of it much more and they're judging guys on that as opposed to you know, what what becomes a very much a thing in spring training, especially after like a week or two of games when the stats start to pile up and people look at it and go, well, this guy's having a bad spring because his stats are low or whatever. And it's you have to remember the teams really aren't looking at it that
0: way. Yeah, right now they're just trotting as many guys out on the field as possible.
1: And there's also too that thing where teams have a much firmer idea, even if they aren't communicating it with the public, teams have a much firmer idea of what they want to do. Not that it can't change and not that guys aren't, competing in spring training but they have a better idea of of what they're looking for and what they're looking to see so the competition is rarely as open as people want to think it is between you know a given players you have various guys you know shooting for the fifth starter spot they probably have a much more well, yeah, idea of what they're looking for there yeah they than, didn't
0: they didn't show up at Arizona going like huh I wonder who's going to take this spot I mean right it, it could be anybody you know maybe uh Ricky Vaughn is going to walk through the gates there and uh, take the spot. I yeah. mean, it's they have their list. They know who prob- the front runner probably is for that fifth spot. And by the way, we're just talking about the fifth spot because we're kind of in agreement that Woodruff is the fourth guy. Yes. So figuring out the fifth spot may be a moot point anyways because John Heyman tr- tweeted, what was it, just <laughs> on, on Saturday?
1: Uh, yeah, Saturday. I think it was
0: Saturday. He said, a rival exec says that the Brewers must at a starting pitcher if they want to compete with the Cubs.
1: So that's Theo, right? Like that's the Theo's the rival exec. I yeah, I've, or, well, <laughs> we did make the joke about it being Heyman or Boris. The Boris,
0: yeah, you. he yeah. might call uh, Scott Boris Mister Executive or something yes, like that. Rival so, executive, yeah. yeah. Um, but it's. I mean, that's still open for debate. What's going to happen there? Because aside from Darvish, all of the major free agent pitchers are mm-hmm. still available.
1: Yeah, I mean, you still have the, you know, three of the top four guys are out there. You still have Lynn, you still have Cobb, and you still have Arietta, And there just doesn't seem to be a lot of... You don't even hear that much about those guys. You're not you're not hearing a bunch of rumors. It's not even... Arietta.
0: we're getting little trips and drabs about. Little
1: snippets. But, yeah, I mean, we'll have to see. You would think, and I still think, that they're, this is not the final... All the... Okay, they're 25 that they break camp with. All those guys are not here yet. Yes. Somebody, no, I somebody else is coming and going to be on this team that isn't a Milwaukee Brewer at this moment. But is that going to be a trade? Is that going to be a free agent signing? You know, your guess is as good as mine. It's, it's very up in the air at this point. But I mean, the Archer
0: thing still seems difficult. So, I mean, if you're going to say put money on how, how that, you know, Next guy gets into camp, It's, I would guess it's going to be a free agent contract.
1: Right. And the Brewers are in a position where they don't have to give up um, top picks the way a lot of teams would have to give up top picks. um, Because of the way the compensation system now works, the Brewers have already given up their third pick in the draft. And I believe they give up their fourth pick in the draft to sign whoever— Third and fourth round. Well, not third and fourth round because they have a comp—
0: Okay, comp picks. Yes. There's a there's a compensation pick. They do not have the 3rd or 4th overall picks in the draft. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I'm well, there's yeah. I figure most people are going to know that, but I'm just clarifying.
1: Sure. Yeah. But they don't have to give up a first or even a second rounder to make this signing. And there are teams, the Giants would have to give up or not the Giants because they've they would have to give up their second rounder to make the signing. And they apparently don't want to do that. Even though a team like the Giants would make a lot of sense for them to do something like that, they apparently aren't. But the roads so. are going
0: deep enough in the draft if they're going to kick a, mm. a draft pick for any of those guys that it would make perfect sense.
1: Yeah, there's, yeah. And it, like, it, they have the need, there's they have the, dream, the money.
0: There's the dream of getting a superstar player in the, you know, third or fourth, you know, pick you have in the draft, but. The sure. chances are slim.
1: And we're cavalier about it. I mean, for the organization, you can bet there's a bunch of area scouts who are, you know, sitting there really hoping that the Brewers don't kick away another draft pick in that spot because that's how they can help make their careers, you know. it. So there's, there's guys that are hoping that doesn't happen, you know, within the, you know, Montgomery is hoping that they don't necessarily give away those picks, but also understands that, like, well, if they can add a, a significant piece— the whole point of this is not to acquire draft picks. It's to acquire big league talent that can help you win at the big league level. So there's an understanding there, but still.
0: Yeah. So um, anyways, yeah, the, the Heyman thing, I, it seemed like he's just trying to, you know, drudge up a little uh, uh, interest in Arietta for uh, a guy that he knows well.
1: Sure. And there's a history there of Mark Atanasio Doing deals with Scott Boris for Scott Boris clients. We know it happened with Kyle Loesch. It didn't happen. It wasn't Boris. And the Loesch deal wasn't terrible. No, it
0: turned out to be much better than the the final. The final year ended up blowing up, but it was two seasons
1: where he was pretty decent. So Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, and they gave up a you know a reasonable draft pick. I think it was the seventeenth pick overall to get him, and that was the main reason to not do that deal. But the fact that he was really good that first year and you know, still very good that second year. um, Yeah, mitigates it. It, it ended up working out. It was fine. Yeah.
0: So uh, we have a Patreon question from Jason Spitz. I agree with the way Stearns is publicly playing the outfield surplus, showing no signs of panic or desperation. Having said that, do you guys actually think Craig Council can effectively manage this roster as currently constructed? Because if I'm Santana com- coming off a 17 season uh, and my reps are being cut down in the slightest, I'm going to be... I'll just say upset
1: <laughs> um I mean i I think Craig counsel can do it I think he can he can handle it as well as it can be handled I'll put it that way uh especially if he gets and it's weird to think of it this way, but if he has the benefit of some injuries to some guys oh sure, then it becomes you know much easier to handle in a much so in that way there's there's even you know some upside to injury, which is you know a terrible way to think of it, but functionally in that way it, it does matter. Um
0: well, there's an upside to depth.
1: There's an upside to the depth, yeah, and having those guys around. And but I think one of the bigger factors in this specific idea, what does Ryan Braun end up doing at first base? Does he become a guy who's taking, you know, significant time at first base? Not just occasionally grabbing a glove and going over there, but you know, maybe even holding down a full platoon with Eric Thames, possibly even more than a platoon. Like getting out there and, and playing some games, even against right-handers. Um, well, no, I think Braun,
0: Braun would play every day, or as much as he's able to. Right. Thames would be the guy who platoons, and you'd have Santana kind of also playing in those opposite days. Right. Like Santana would. I don't want to say he'd be a full platoon because he'd probably still get starts. Mm -hmm. You know, maybe when Braun's in the lineup as well. Sorry. When Thames is in the lineup, (laughs) I'm I'm, I'm just
1: enjoying watching this. (laughs) Yeah. When
0: Thames is in the lineup and maybe Braun needs a day off or something like that, like he'd still get starts, but yeah, he would definitely see a a reduction in playing time. I don't know if there's any way around that.
1: Yeah. And I mean, part of it too would be, okay. Are they willing to give Yelich and Kane a day off a week? Because if you start adding those up and go, well, Braun's getting a day off a week. Yelich is getting a day off a week. Kane is getting a day off a week. And Kane has missed plenty of time in his career. And Kane has missed time. And so if, you, if you're talking about taking one day each from those guys and saying, you're going to sit for a day, you're going to sit for a day, you're going to sit for a day, and then add in the Braun games at uh, first base against left-handed starters, and then you talk about you know getting guys into the lineup late, you could probably construct it so that so that Domingo Santana is getting at least on paper you know 450 to 500 plate appearances but that's not every day that is that is not an every day player that's a yeah you're looking
0: at what four out of seven days probably four out of seven
1: yeah yeah like it, which would work out to be like four out of six games Generally, with, you know, about a, a game a week off, a day a week off, mm-hmm. especially with the new schedule where things are a little bit more spread But again,
0: out. you know, you figure there's probably going to be some injuries or, you know. Right. I, I wouldn't be surprised if, even if Braun isn't necessarily on the DL, he misses a week or yes. something like that, you know. Yeah. So, uh, I think there will be, there's, there's a way to make it. Early in the season, it won't look ideal. No. Late in the season, it could play out better than. You know, I think it, it initially looks, but
1: hold on. Do you actually think that they're going to go into the season with Domingo Santana on their roster? I still think if I, you know, I still think it's less than a 50, 50 shot. He's still on the team.
0: At this point, I have no idea. I don't know. Just with how odd the off season is and how late um, it's gone with so many guys unsigned, like there are still players available. Like right. teams can just sign. So the idea that like you want you need to trade for somebody
1: to acquire a guy. Like it's, that's not really the hitters have thinned out somewhat. Especially a bit. people that are there's nobody available on in free agency anymore, hitting wise, I don't believe, that is comparable to Domingo Santana with the bat. I think they've they've moved past that. Now that Martinez is signed and Morrison just signed today, mm-hmm. I mean, nobody Nobody who's comparable with the bat, I don't think, is still out there. I'd have to double-check, but I don't think so. So that should potentially narrow things a little bit, but you still have to find that trade partner, and you still have to figure out a deal that works. Yeah. So we'll see.
0: Oh, so by the way, uh, Kristen Yelich has played 155 and 156 games in the last two seasons. So, so he is a stalwart. Yeah, the idea that he's going to take a day off a week is... Probably not. ...unlikely. Yeah. Um, It would probably be, you know, Kane getting time off. But then you'd have to say, like, is it going to be Keon Broxton or Brett Phillips, depending on who makes a team that gets the center field starts if he needs time.
1: Right. And do you want Brett Phillips getting, you know, a lot of at-bats against right-handed pitching? Yeah, I would. That would be my ideal. I You know, that's where I want him in the lineup. So, I... It's almost impossible to imagine them not moving one of their outfielders before the start of the season, whether or not that's Santana, who I think is the the most likely one to go. Santana, Broxton, uh, and Phillips. Mm-hmm. And Phillips, I think, is the least likely to go. So, Well, yeah, because they can send him back down to AAA. Right. There's just no pressing. And I think it's, he he has gotten to the point where he deserves to be in the big leagues, but he's still in that gray area where he hasn't totally established himself yet. So sending him down is not, that's not a, a deal breaker. That's not something that's, you
0: know, it would be nice to see him up for the full year, but you okay there. It would be nice to see Brett Phillips up for the full year, but you know, again, is crowded outfield. is going to be kind of difficult. So yes. Um, Brian Polakowski asks, uh, which in this is a Patreon question, which non roster invitee has the best shot of making the 25 man roster? Do you have anybody off the top of your head? I mean, again, it seems like there's so many spots that are taken already.
1: Yeah, I mean, non-roster invitee. I'm trying to think of who actually isn't. Who are the best non-roster invitees to camp right now? I'm trying to think of who isn't on the 40-man, who's there.
0: Yeah, because did they make room for Gallardo? Yes, yeah. He's not on a minor league deal. Um, Wade Miley? was Miley a minor league deal. I again, with with the number of options they have in the rotation, the possibility of still signing somebody for the rotation, like we don't see it there. We don't really see it in the bullpen because we went over the bullpen before and it's pretty yeah, set with maybe like one spot that has some flexibility. Right. You know, and we're talking about how And that
1: spot is probably going to be filled by a guy who's currently on the roster. Yeah. Like there's just not there aren't that many um
0: you know, and then looking at the position players, we're talking about a crowded outfield where they're going to have to get rid of somebody. Uh, infield, you already have a couple second basemen with Sogard and VR. Um, Hernan Perez is still there. I mean, I yeah, I have a hard time figuring out where any room is going to come from on the roster.
1: Yeah, I don't. Oh, Corbin Burns is not on the forty man. Okay, so there you go. There's yes. <laughs> Come on man, meet your tabs. <laughs> Corbin Burns would be the uh
0: he's probably the best pick for that. Yes, but yeah, even then, yeah. but even then it's still really unlikely. It seems like Burns is probably going to get some time in the minors before he gets called up this year.
1: Yeah, I mean, I would I'd, I'd be okay with him forcing his way into the roster and I don't have an issue with But he
0: didn't even have a full season in Double A last year.
1: No. No, he split time between between high and double A, but he's been so good. And pitchers, pitchers are a little bit different than hitters where if a guy's ready, it's less important that they've like seen, it's less important that pitchers have seen like triple A hitting as opposed to uh, batters having seen triple A pitching. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. There's, there's a difference there where going through the steps means a little bit more for a hitter. Whereas a pitcher if the stuff is there, if the command of the stuff is there, like if they can execute their stuff and they, they have an idea of what they're doing and they're there, going through every step is less important for pitchers, I feel like. Um, so... And there's also the issue with Burns where we, we just don't... You don't want to send him to Colorado Springs. You just don't. I mean, it's like... I mean, he can probably be okay you, there. You probably
0: don't want to send him there. Hader spent time there. He did. have spent time there. Yeah. They didn't, they weren't broken by it. Even if you looked at their stats and didn't think like, oh, these are, you know, top prospect type stats.
1: Right. No, they weren't putting up numbers that made you go. They, they were only good in context. Those numbers were good in context.
0: Yes. And I mean, you know, Burns is a guy who throws hard, so he can probably get away with it a little bit
1: more yes um and it's not it's not Jorge Lopez who's so dependent on getting that curveball and it you know being
0: like in Zach Davies we never would have wanted to see in Colorado Springs
1: yeah I'm trying to remember I'm what, trying to what his
0: somebody who throws yeah isn't like a power pitcher that is just breaking stuff in command
1: yeah I mean I'm trying to remember exactly what his path was but yeah, you worry about guys who who really need to command and use and utilize their breaking stuff in an environment like Colorado Springs. And, I mean, it's important for Burns. I, I don't know. If he goes there, you just hope that they can manage to keep him.
0: <laughs> well, somebody's got to go. Somebody has to go, and, and they, they they can't just say like all of our top pitching prospects are never going to go to Colorado Springs.
1: I think it's I'm, you'd be more worried about Luis Ortiz because Ortiz seems to have Ortiz seems to have more development needed before he's ready for the big leagues, and he's also on this list of non roster invitees. But he has legitimate work that needs to be done before he's ready for the big leagues. He still has to one show that he can you know pitch healthy through a season and like accumulate innings he needs to build up it you know the the uh, workload that way but also you know that him pitching in that environment in a he needs to develop and work on things is maybe a little bit more detrimental to him for needing to accomplish things than burns where he's it would be more of a well yeah, we want you to to kind of get used to this and like, face this level of competition and move up that way. But we already kind of know that you're close and we're not necessarily, there, there's not like as many points that need to be checked off the developmental checklist still. So, you know, from that perspective, it's probably better. But the sooner they get out of Colorado Springs, the better. And it's coming to an end after this year, thank God. So, whatever.
0: Well, but they're still going to be in aired areas.
1: Well, no, chances are they're going to Fresno.
0: Oh, is it Fresno? Okay. It's Fresno,
1: yeah. Fresno is the odds on probability. And my understanding is that Fresno is not a launching pad. I'd have to double check. but I don't Because
0: the team is moving to El Paso?
1: Yes, but then the Rangers but are But the Rangers to, are taking it. The yeah. Rangers will take it, and then the Astros will take the Rangers' AAA spot and abandon Fresno and leave that for us. Why don't all the teams just own their own affiliates? Because I think that other rich people want to own them. There's just- there's money to be made in professional sports, Steve. What did you know? That's like, crazy. It's it's apparently it's apparently a good way to make money, I especially guess. when you can get taxpayers to buy your or build your stadiums for you.
0: Well, you know, Allspurge has a, a question on Twitter. Yes. Uh, he says, "Why are what seems like a fair number of fans unwilling to stick up for players and them making money? Instead, uh, they defend owners for having the smarts to not overpay for old and declining players." So that kind of plays into that, like. We look at how much payers are, players are paid mm-hmm. and we say, oh, my God, they're making so much money without looking at the fact that there's a lot of money in professional sports and these owners are making tons.
1: Right. And that's, yeah. You start with the fact that the owners aren't just making money, but they're making money off of taxpayers. It's being made, they're holding cities and counties and states hostage for taxpayer money to build them their stadiums that they then get to take the majority the lion's share of the revenues out of and the I understand so people are always going to identify with the teams because they root for the team most people who are fans of a sport root yeah. for but, but those players are not taking our tax money no they're not
0: they're not they're not but so you have that hold on so they 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 get Publicly financed stadiums. Yes. They're making a ton of money during the season on the teams.
1: Generally, yeah. Even when they lose money. And
0: those teams, while they own them, are like mat- like exponentially increasing in value. Yeah. So if they do decide, hey, I want to get out of this, they then have a huge windfall coming to them in the end. Assuming right. they aren't like running up huge debts with how they run the team. But again, they're making a lot of money right now. So you have to be kind of an idiot to run up huge debts.
1: Right. Yeah, you do. And And
0: there are idiots.
1: But, I mean, in American sports...
0: Well, they aren't... It's rare that they're just one owner making stupid decisions anymore. Right.
1: And, And in American sports, I don't think anybody's really... Like, Mike Illich was kind of... He was, I think, paying some out of his own pocket beyond the revenues that were coming in. Like, they were technically running in the red. The Tigers were the last few years. But, like you said that's at the same time that while they're doing this and they're having this success, the team is appreciating by leaps and bounds. I mean, in ways that are, you know, really, really insane. If you look at how much, you know, teams have sold for and what they, not that long ago. I mean, the Milwaukee Brewers sold for, was it 220 million? It they're was, worth over yeah, a I always think now. it was like
0: 250 million. But yeah, that mm-hmm. was when when Ananasio's group, bought the brewers, it was like 250 million. They have
1: they have something like quadrupled in value <laughs> over 12 years. And that isn't that's a pretty good investment. Yeah, it's, you think like that's a really good investment. And I going back to it, I understand why fans And that's the brewers. That's the smallest and that's, the, brewers. that's yes. the smallest media market. Right. Yeah. It's the Brewers. Um and yes Antonazio has run the team well like the the way Rick Lessinger has done a tremendous job you, turning them from a team that had a very poor identity in terms of people's confidence, like locally in what they were doing and how they were run to a team where everybody says we love the Brewers. They, they seem to be run really well. Um,
0: Again, the smallest media market
1: and they're constantly at least what in the middle of attendance. Yes. Yeah. They, we routinely outplay what you would expect based on the, the area that we are in. And I mean, some of that is, Brewers prices, prices at Miller Park for for seats, for parking, for everything, tend to be among the more generous in the game or the, the lower more in affordable. The game because the, you're in that market, you have to play to your market. Whereas if you're in New York, you know you charge more. You just you can. It it just works that way because you have that many more millions of people. It's around. worth
0: charging all that to see the empty boxes behind home plate at uh, Yankee <laughs> Stadium, New Yankee Stadium. Yes, the New Yankee Stadium. I mean those. Hey. When nobody's sitting in there, we at least know that those seats look very comfortable. We can see them. You can look at them and say, that looks like a comfortable seat. They're palatial. Seat. Mm-hmm. I, think, I think I could hunker down in one of
1: those seats and get pretty cozy for a game. <laughs> but again, going back to what I was saying before, I do understand fans root for teams. So their interests naturally sort of align with the team. So they've, there's always been this thing where people look at the player's And go, the more they make, the more it hurts my team's ability to compete. The more
0: more it hurts the ability to go out and get the guy that they need. The
1: next person. Yeah. So there's, you come into that opportunity cost. And you
0: always hear about like, you know, owners are angry that they're paying for a guy who's underproducing. Right. And I think guaranteed contracts are another thing that like make people upset.
1: Right. Yeah. Oh, I, uh, yes. I know people who, cannot fathom they're like how is it that the team can't just cut bait with the player well it's like so that's a one-sided contract it's a contract only as long as the owner like this isn't the NFL I mean
0: really and for most people unless what you're in a sales field how many people are like have some fluctuating uh, income depending on how well they're doing right yeah I'm just saying yes these guys are making a lot more money obviously but the idea that like they can't have a set rate that they're making is you know ridiculous Right. That's and what they negotiate. That's the one thing baseball players have. They have to wait six years plus yeah. to like really get a windfall of money.
1: But when they do... And when
0: they do, they can at least get guaranteed contracts. Because we always laugh at, like, hey, look at the price of this NFL contract that just came out. They're not going to see the majority of that.
1: Right, yes. It's $53 million, but really only 24 of it's guaranteed, so it's a $24 million contract. Like, Yeah. The thing about it is I don't Really, I don't have an issue with fans being not a, not liking a player because, like, oh, they're not they're not living up to the contract, but thinking that it's something. Um, it's when it gets into the personal failing type of stuff that that it bugs me, and you start getting players. Um, for, well, there's you know, always
0: the narrative that if somebody signs a large contract. Then they don't care anymore, and they aren't trying because they got the the money, which yes. most of these guys have competed too hard to get where they're at, right? To think like they're not that competitive. They're right. they're all extremely to be a professional athlete, like your competition level has to be off the charts compared to what most people are like. Yes, it's yeah. the only way it's- to get that far. So the idea that you sign a large contract and if a guy has you know a poor season, like it's because he didn't care is just, it's false.
1: Right. And that gets, that gets into, yeah. You and get,
0: we all like to, you know, be the armchair psychologists about, you know, especially sports psychology. Yes. Everybody loves sports psychology and is well-versed in how it works.
1: And there, there are cases, isolated cases where you could kind of go, you know, there are rumors or whatever. There was the Bill Hall situation where people were like, well, once he got his contract, he sort of like, His lifestyle changed. He went
0: went, uh Willie Mays Hayes.
1: That was that was the story in uh that ESPN back when they did like the anonymous athlete thing. But see, uh, some of those guys, I don't think it's because they don't care anymore. It's just because
0: they didn't handle the success. The success as well. Like it's not because they don't want to be good players, they're just not handling the success well. Right. Like I think those are two different things.
1: Yes. Yeah. And yeah. But ultimately, you give me the choice between would I rather see players get the money or would I rather see the owners get the money? And it's an easy call every single time. You want to see the players, especially the players who I would like to see the players who do not make as much now get more money. That would be the, the players who are zero to three who haven't even hit arbitration yet, the minor leaguers especially, but we've talked about that, that they, they really, really have gotten, a lot of them are not making minimum wage. When you add up the number of hours that they are required to be at work and what their monthly salary is, in some cases it's like 1200 bucks a month.
0: Yeah, I mean, again, what I'd like to see is the owners basically make no money, just break even, and you get all your money when you finally sell the franchise. And there was a. There because was, again, they get massive windfalls when they sell those franchises. So. There was an
1: interesting article this week. Ben Lindbergh wrote about what was going on. I don't know if you saw this in The Ringer, wrote an article about what the split currently is. And I know on this podcast, I've cited the players being down into like 40%, which apparently is not true once you figure in all of the things that go into it. It's both the Players Union and MLB agree that they're at about a 50 50 split of revenue right now, which is still low. It's still lower than what it was where apparently it peaked out in like 2003ish at like the players were at like 63 64% and that seems much more equitable to me because again as you were mentioning the players their money that they make c- it, they're making that money off of the teams other than endorsements, which is a separate situation that's based on their personal. And
0: baseball players don't do massive endorsements
1: that uh, they do not get massive endorsements compared to the other sports. Now compared to football and compared to uh, basketball, they do not. So it's really when you, when you compare it to that direction, the, the teams can make this money back on the back end by the, the accumulation of value of the franchise. The players have to get their money they have to get it while they're revenue. playing, yeah. right? They have to get it while they're playing, and then that's it. That's sort of you know, unless they work out, you know, the Bobby Benilla Well, I guess Ryan Braun, Ryan, Ryan Braun, Braun got it, or you work the, out
0: the Gorman Thomas deal, and you're flipping uh, brats at the park <laughs> for for the next forty years.
1: Gorman, it's Gorman Gorman's. What was it? The Gorman Grill?
0: Gorman Grill, I think, is what yeah. it was. Yeah. Do they still have it? I don't I even. I don't think know.
1: so. No, I think it's gone. It's it's not there anymore. So when
0: you I'm see there. him, it's just he set up his own grill and he <laughs> it just, himself. Yeah,
1: he's, he's <laughs> just there with his, with his uh, mustache.
0: <laughs> so um, anyways, okay, back to actual uh, baseball questions here. Um, so Tom asks, so any chance the Rangers would trade jerks and profar to the Brewers for Keon Broxton? I'm trying to figure out if that makes sense. Again, because you have Eric Sogard, you have Hernan Perez, you have... Jonathan VR, all kind of fighting for spots. Um, You know, we have a packed outfield, you know, because you have to make decisions on, I mean, he's saying trade Broxton, but you still have to figure out what to do with Phillips, you know, Santana's playing time. Um, And this is all assuming that Jerks and Profar is that top prospect. He was, what are we looking at,
1: five years ago? Well, Jerks, okay, so I just heard some, and he's not an old, some discussion of Profar, but anyway. He is a guy who is now out of options. You think about that, like where he was a few years ago and the top prospect in the game, and now he's a guy who's out of options. Like that really doesn't happen for top players. The Rangers have been so weird with how they've handled some of these guys, though. He didn't have an, an immediate place to play. No. And he, he he's also he's dealt with a lot of injuries. That's more than anything, it's been a lot of it injuries. It
0: seemed like anytime he was gonna get a shot. Anytime <clears throat> Anytime he was gonna get a legitimate shot, yeah, he would he would kind of get injured and then he'd, you know, miss a bunch of time when he could have uh, uh, made some progress there. But then they signed Andrus to the long term contract at shortstop. You still have Beltray at third, you know, they tried moving him around in the outfield, so the guy's never and well, and then they had uh, Odor at second. So he's never really had a been able to just like assume any spot in the uh, um, in the lineup.
1: Yeah. So the other first off, no, <laughs> is when you're talking about two specific players, it's so hard to to figure out what the, the valuation would be. Um so no. Also, the Rangers do have outfielders. Like they have their center fielder in Delano de Shields that they want to give run to and have him out there playing. Um they still have Chu in right and they still have Mazara in left. And also Willie Calhoun. Well,
0: Mazzara is what 23? 22. So you're talking about Shields and Mazzara are both in their early twenties.
1: And they have their their third, or sorry, their fourth outfielder in Willie Calhoun. Now they do have some room in there because of uh, the DH,
0: but you still got to get Joey Gallo uh, at bats. Because Beltre's back this season. Yes. Because he was injured for a, well, a good portion of last they, year. When when
1: Gallo Gallo's gonna be their starting first baseman, it looks like. Is he gonna be at first? Yeah, okay. and Beltre's at third. But I mean, so I don't know. I mean, does does something like that potentially make sense for, for the teams? Maybe. Yeah. It, I mean, what's the what's the purpose of of getting Profar other than just hoping that he he stays healthy and, and manages to get, you know. Well, I think everybody
0: would like to give up an extra piece and take a chance on a jerks in Profar. Sure, because he was a really big name a little while ago. And and I'm not trying to, like, talk down Keon Broxson because Broxson's had runs in the major set of shown he can be a major league player. I mean, he's had runs
1: where he looks like a superstar. Sure. But they just are also (laughs) – they're they're offset against runs where he looks like he doesn't know (laughs) what a baseball is. Again, he's – I mean, at this
0: point, he's mostly just a guy. Sure. So – yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't think it really works. And again, with the way the, the roster is currently constructed, I'd, I'd be surprised if he would even fit anywhere, especially right. if you said he's out of options.
1: Yeah, that's the thing. And I mean, Profar's at the point where he just needs to play in the majors. And maybe we should be kind of specific about this. I think that if you're, you're dealing a pitcher, you're not dealing them for necessarily a position player. You're looking for, sorry, if you're dealing an outfielder, you're looking for a pitcher or a prospect, right? Pitchers and prospects because that's where there's room. Um, not to say that if, you know, that ideal deal was there, if some team, you know, it might be that the Brewers really still like Jerks and Profar. And if that opportunity presented to themselves or presented it to them, they would say, oh, yeah, we'd love to do this. It's, it's quite possible that that's the case. But the odds of that Seem pretty long, and the, and the fit is not obvious. So yeah, I don't see it. It's not either. like you're trading. Yeah, it's not like trading Keon Broxton for a fireballing reliever, which they could use. You know, it's not that. So
0: yeah, i and again, so a lot of that's a matter of fit, and like you said, just how hard it is to make a one for one deal. So um Michael asks if there are no further moves, I see five available roster spots for position players, four bench, and the second base job. Who are your front runners? Uh, he says he has vote vr sogard broxton and perez all making the team so he is assuming okay. he said no further moves so domingo santana's on the team uh, they haven't gotten anybody else for the rotation
1: i would have a hard time seeing them carrying perez vr sogard if they don't move one of the outfielders if they if they honestly are going to go with these outfielders I think that it has to mean, it has to mean that uh, Ryan Braun is going to be playing a lot at first base. Like that has to be the plan. And so it's, it's really hard to imagine them doing that and carrying all of those guys. So it would be Sogard, VR, Perez.
0: It really seems like one of those three of the are not going to be on the team this year.
1: We, unless they can move one of the outfielders.
0: Yes, and then and then Perez basically gets to stick around to be the super sub.
1: Perez gets to stick around to be the super sub, um, and we're already sort of saying we don't think there's room for Aguilar. We're we're basically we're writing him off in this discussion, right? We're we're basically saying there isn't room, especially if Ryan Braun's going to be playing a bunch at first base. There isn't room for him.
0: Yeah, well, and I mean, this assumed it as well. Yes, if there's no trade made or n- no other acquisition made, yeah. um, Aguilar is gone. Yeah. Like, they, there just isn't a spot for the guy. Yeah. Because you're going to be platooning um, at first base. Thames, has to, Thames really needs to be platooned if you want to give him the best
1: chance to succeed. You need to give him time off, yeah. It's important to... To give him time off. Which would
0: be in a platoon. And he
1: struggled against lefties. He did, yeah.
0: There's there's no hiding that fact that he really struggled against lefties Mm -hmm. last year.
1: Yes, so that's fine. And it's it's still the uh, heavy side of the platoon. It's harder to keep uh, purely platoon guys around when they're right-handed because right-handers can only do, you know, you're only facing what a third of pitchers in the big leagues are left-handed. So it's the soft side of the platoon. So it's, yeah. Anyway.
0: Okay, uh, last question here. This is from Charlie Robleski, who has sent us, like, a list of questions that we've slowly been picking through uh, in the past few weeks, if you've noticed. Have you noticed? Yes, I have noticed. Okay, yeah. He sent us a bunch of, like, I don't want to
1: say non-sequitur questions. But they were they were interesting from a diff- number of different angles. They're
0: very like non-specific like baseball questions. Yes. So yeah. Um, anyways, he says uh, using the last sixteen years of experience, we have a th- uh, Miller Park. I'd love to hear you all discuss the pros and cons of publicly funded stadiums. Are the are there successes we can point to in the Brewers organization that we can directly point to the existence of Miller Park? Playing the what if game in hindsight is the sale of the team to Ananasio possible without the facility? Without the willingness to spend from ownership do things like these tend to turn out worse for smaller market teams? What are your favorite things about the stadium and what would you like to see added based on experiences from the stadium?
1: So what I've said for a long time about Miller Park, I was not living here when the the decisions were made. I was still in college in the Madison area. Um, Had Miller Park been put up to a vote, had... It been like a decision and it was not this was not something that was put up to a direct vote of the people this was voted on in the state legislature not in yes not in public it was not a referendum i would have voted for it i would have voted to have it because i value having the team around and having that we would vote more selfishly than because
0: it's a great deal for right
1: and that's that yeah and like, I 100%, there, there's no
0: problem with anybody saying we don't want to pay for the darn thing.
1: And I 100% agree that like it shouldn't have like it shouldn't happen. Um, but I yeah, it, it's a bad situation to be in because I do think the Brewers would be gone had the Miller Park not been built and not been built at a you know at the behest of taxpayers. Like yeah, on I mean, there I would, I would like to think, anything.
0: I would like to think with with the roof, and I, I think uh, more of a modern facility that Miller Park can last longer than County Stadium did, and the County Stadium lasted from what fifty,
1: like nineteen fifty to nineteen, it was basically fifty. Years. It was fifty years old. I, Miller Park should hopefully last that long. Boy, but stadium is just. Look at look I, how quickly everybody's moving on. I understand
0: on. that people are quickly moving on, but that doesn't mean that stadiums shouldn't be able to last that long.
1: I mean, yeah, but, like, the Braves already have a new stadium. The Rangers are getting a new stadium. Well, the
0: Braves, <laughs> that's a whole boondoggle the, down the there. The Diamondbacks
1: so. are agitating, for one. Sure. Yeah, I mean... stadiums are basically
0: Miller Park's age. I wonder, at least with Ananasio, I'd have to say that that group of owners knows that, like... Asking for money for a new stadium is not gonna fly in this area.
1: I mean, I mean, the state did just build the bucks a new arena. So <laughs> Well,
0: yeah, but that's a lot of money and it's a lot more money than it used to be, but it's not as much it would as it would cost to build a stadium with a roof on it in Wisconsin nowadays. Sure. The cost of Miller Park would be more now than it was when it was built yes. in the early two thousands or yes. right around two thousand.
1: Yeah. Well, and there were added expenses, too, because of the accident. So, like, it delayed it a year. So, yes. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I get it. It's That's a really tough one because I – and I don't believe in, you know, most of the uh, – serious economists, not people who are on the payroll of somebody who's trying to make a point, but serious economists who've looked at this have shown that very, very rarely have stadiums – brought the benefit that the team claimed they would. There's always this claim that it's going to revitalize the area. It's going to, you know, you're going to have a whole area. I think the one exception to that is San Diego. Like San Diego legitimately, like, they built that stadium in kind of a depressed area of of town. And, like, it's gone nuts. Now, would it have gone nuts without, you know, Petco being built there? Probably would be my guess. But it there actually has been... A real revitalization in that specific area, coinciding with the building of the stadium. So, yeah, I don't um, know if
0: that can happen in Milwaukee um, because there's no open place in like the. You're not going to go to Midtown or something like that and build a stadium and revitalize, you know, the North Central. Well, I mean, they talked
1: about putting one down in uh, the third ward, down basically where the Summerfest grounds,
0: which they ended up not needing that to be able to revitalize that area.
1: It's again only, when you're talking about yeah, like would yes. San Diego's area been revitalized?
0: Yeah. That, that area was revitalized in Milwaukee without a stadium, right? It's been and on if its you own, put a stadium man. down there, you don't have the tailgate uh, experience. You because because if have to do something different. Yeah, yeah, if you're putting a stadium down in those areas in Milwaukee, um and, and, and why they kept it where it was at? It, you know, they can't do the um, parking lots, and you right. can't have the tailgate experience.
1: Right. It changes fundamentally the culture of what's going on here.
0: So, I mean, Milwaukee, yeah, it's hard to say, like, you know, that stadium has a direct impact on anything because it's all pretty self-contained.
1: Well, and there's also the location of the stadium being sort of on the edge of town where it, you can...
0: I mean, it's not technically in Milwaukee.
1: No, it's not technically... It might be. No, it is technically in
0: Milwaukee. No. West Milwaukee? Maybe. West Allis? It's yeah. not West Dallas. No, but it's if all anything, kind it's
1: of, West Dallas, or if anything, it's West Milwaukee. But it's
0: like. all kind of like in that mishmash of an area.
1: But it's also in an area where, really, like if you look at the population centers, um, you can where people live in the area. Everybody, it's sort of centrally located for where all the population is, even though sure. it's a little bit outside of of uh, downtown Milwaukee. It still is centrally located enough that like. People in the the western, northern, southern burbs have, you know, not as far to go. Everybody in Waukesha
0: County who complains about parking in downtown Milwaukee right, does not have to drive to downtown Milwaukee and complain about parking.
1: Yes. No, they just get to complain about paying for it.
0: Yeah. Which is always funny because, I mean, if there's one thing that isn't difficult in Milwaukee, it's parking. Compared to like... Compared to most places, yeah. yeah. compared to most big cities. So Yeah. Um, I, I mean, it, is it a su- success as far... Like you said, the
1: Brewers probably would not be in Milwaukee without it. So, yeah, from that sense, it's probably successful. Um, But, like, did it – has it returned the the investment of the taxpayers in the form of, like, taxes? I don't know, but I'm going to go out on a pretty firm limb and say no, it probably hasn't.
0: Well, we had a pretty hefty recession there, you know, part of the way through paying back the stadium and – I know it seemed like every year they said, "Oh, sales are down in the Milwaukee area, therefore it's going to take longer and longer to pay off the stadium." And then things got really good, and now they but it didn't turn it wasn't like, oh, the stadium is somehow you know booing the uh, revenue that the county was taking in. Right. Yeah, it was not making the boat float higher than what it was anywhere else in the country.:
1: No, and it's interesting, some of their best their best run, 2008 to know 2011 where they really were doing well, was in the teeth of the Great Recession, you know, for the most part, anyway.
0: Yeah, so, Eight, I mean...
1: It's a little bit early, but starting in 9, it definitely was on. But
0: you can't point to that as, like, the stadium was somehow, like, helping area businesses in any way.
1: No, I do think that I mean, and that's
0: unfair. We it can't, does help specific businesses. We're just bringing one instance up. There's no, like... Sure, research behind what Miller Park did or didn't do. But yeah, it's a very limited area, I think that like as a bunch has a bunch of businesses that can profit off of like Miller Park in its location. right.
1: and some of it is just I know Keith Law always talks about it this way that it's like it's picking a winner. So like people would come to Milwaukee for other reasons than the Brewers if there were, no brewers there because it's still the biggest city in the state and the biggest, you know. So people would come here; they would just do different things, and maybe they wouldn't come as much, you know, as often. That's probably true, but it it still is. It's identifying a specific thing and saying, "Well, the, their money, their your your entertainment dollars for the air are going to go more towards this than it does to." you know something
0: else now i'm curious because they have hosted more concerts there recently i don't know if that's helped out the fact like outside of the brewers taking in money how much that's helped in the local economy
1: well there was a good there was a good article written i think it was by Drew Magary magary how do we Mag- say his magary name? i think magary yeah there's a good article written by him about how um really like if you want roi on your your investment Arenas are much better than stadiums. Like football stadiums are the worst. Baseball stadiums are next. Now, granted, baseball stadiums, you get the, that guaranteed get, as long as the team's there. You get the quantity of games. You get the quantity of games as well as a number of other events that go along with it. But them. there aren't many.
0: There aren't a ton of stadiums it's harder, that can play. It's But yeah, arena, arenas. Like when you brought up, you know, Wisconsin's paying for an arena, you know, the new Bucks arena, are mm-hmm. helping to pay for it. That would Bucks be Bucks have forty one
1: games. Marquette has what twenty ish, and then you can host how many concerts there, and you can host how many just other events. I mean, yes, other things that go on there. I mean, my, yeah, I know the the big company town Northwestern Mutual every year has a big annual meeting event, and the the centerpiece of it is a big event at the Bradley Center, and you know, especially in cities even bigger than Milwaukee, you know, places like Madison Square Garden or whatever they can they could be active the vast majority of days out of the year. They can have stuff going on in there all the time. And, you know, whether or not it's the circus, I guess that's done now, though, but... Whatever ice capades, I don't know. Whatever, whatever what, do, what do people do? I don't know. I
0: don't know. There's some Marvel thing. <laughs> like, I think they had like no people lip syncing, yeah, cosplaying Marvel characters. <laughs> oh,
1: there's oh, and like Dota tournaments. So people go and like show up and uh to watch uh esports at these things, but
0: again, that's all stuff that doesn't happen at baseball stadiums. That's all right, 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 right,
1: right. So anyway, the point of the article was that arenas are a better investment for the city, they cost less, first of all, they're yeah. not as big as well, in,
0: not anymore. Well, they cost back. less compared to baseball stadiums. But when we saw the bill for a current arena, it looked like a baseball stadium.
1: Well, it looked like what our last baseball stadium yes, looked exactly. like bill-wise. Which wasn't that long ago. Well, 20 years ago. Yeah,
0: no, we're not at 20 years yet. Yes, we are. Well, 20 years since maybe it was passed. Since it was passed since it's the groundbreaking, yeah. Yeah, yeah but And Miller w-
1: Park was supposed to open in 2000, yes. but got pushed back a year. Well, let's not it, say we're in 2020 yet. It's 20. God. Or it do you eight? want it to be 2020? 2020, right. 2020. Let's just. Can we just hit fast forward and just like boom, that would be that would be nice. Can we do that? Yeah, you have no. the you have the ability. No? <laughs> yeah. So, um, but yeah, it's it, it's weird because it's a hypocritical position to take to say I would vote for it even though I think it's like overall well, not good.
0: Again, I I want baseball. I understand if other people say. We don't right. want to foot the bill for it. I totally get it. I wouldn't like get angry at somebody else for saying, you know, they didn't want to oh, pay. A hundred percent. No. So I think that's kind of the issue there. So um is there anything about the stadium that you enjoy? <laughs> I I like the new beer wall.
1: That, yes. Finally. Logo, it's it's a little it's a little overpriced for what it is, but it's, it's
0: good considering what most stuff costs at Miller park compared to going to other stadiums where you're paying, sure. you know, you go down to Wrigley and you pay, pay like 14 bucks for a, what are the, what crap do they sell?
1: <laughs> I mean, they have some, they have some microbrew stuff in there. They do They're little bars that they have attached, but to it's still
0: mostly, you know, like here's your 32 ounce bud light or whatever for, you know, that, like the giant can. Yeah. The, for like the 40, can the size of your head. Yeah. For like 40 bucks. And it's like, great. Thanks. Yeah. I appreciate that. I guess I'm well hydrated. <laughs> It's
1: your rice
0: water or whatever that is. So um,
1: Yeah, I mean, I do like that. I like the... All I, of I do, those are under 20 bucks. I do think the improvements to the concessions were legitimate improvements. I think that having the variety around... And especially bringing in, you know, having like agave and, you know, local places. They've been
0: slowly adding that stuff. They added uh, AJ Bombers and they added some stuff like that before they true. did this renovation. But so. they
1: were limited to that one little space outside of the stadium. And yeah, I think they, they knew, fully integrated it now. They
0: knew there was an appetite for that stuff. And I think we, we've talked about this before that it's good that the Brewers are bringing in some like local restaurant groups. Yes. Like if is. you want to talk about, How a stadium experience or how a stadium can like feedback into the community, having the local restaurant groups there to provide concessions in any kind of way, at least gives them a foot in the door for people coming in from outside the city to try something like that and then go, oh, maybe if I, we do decide to go downtown, we can try, you know, one of those restaurants or something Mm -hmm. else like that.
1: Yeah. Bombers or what's the pizza place? I don't know Zephyros. Zephyros. Zephyros is there? Yeah, they need to. They only had like one or two of those because I remember me and Amy always uh, having to like march around the stadium trying to find the Zephyros because it had stuff that she liked.
0: Well, and that's the issue with it is there is still a lot of looking for it. It's not necessarily on every level.
1: I mean, Bombers. Bombers is pretty ubiquitous. The Agave one I think is on every level, and there's there's some multiples on each level. They're they're around a little bit more. Um, The Zephyros there were fewer. Are you sure it's the Firos? It's the Firos. Okay. Yeah. Um. So, yeah i I think that stuff makes sense. Um. I don't know. I like, think they've largely done good things with the stadium environment over the last few years. No big complaints.
0: It's easy to get to. It's easy to get around in the stadium. Mm-hmm. I mean,
1: compared to some other stadium experiences, it's it's as pain free as it can get. Yeah, I mean, it would be nice if the uh, the metal detector stuff wasn't there because <laughs> it <laughs> slows everything down. You get these long lines. When you get a, a sold out game, you just you're dragging because it's huge lines, and you just wait and blah 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 blah.
0: But you you know the uh, way to solve that problem, <laughs> get there earlier. Oh yeah. So <laughs> and then you can spend more money inside the stadium. <laughs> look Amazing at that how that works yeah. yeah i think it all worked out for them so that's going to do it for the show this week uh just a quick patreon thanks to uh paul noonan thomas Burbaum, and eric Cumming. uh again if you want to join patreon go to patreon.com slash mke tailgate Uh, The Ball & Glove patrons will get the Minor League uh, Extra podcast, and if you do it soon, you'll definitely get the
1: one that uh, is released in March, right? I believe so, yeah. I think that, yes.
0: (laughs) Early March, you guys are going to release the
1: next one. Yeah, it'll be, we talked about that, like, about ten days from now. Like, middle middle of next
0: week. You haven't caught that, I'm just kind of going over things again at uh, the end of the podcast we, yeah.
1: yeah we already talked about that like, we did we, we already you're just like it was a question like there's some sort of like i'm trying was to get that what i'm said? trying to get
0: you like into the conversation here but you haven't quite caught on so I, I otherwise i phones off by now like, otherwise I'm done otherwise i'm just droning on for the the end of this so
1: which that's fine okay. that's how podcasts end with one person droning <laughs> so the proper way for a podcast to end
0: exactly the droning reminders of everything you can find us on. So, um, and again, you can find us on Twitter at mke tailgate. <laughs> <laughs> I think you just lost half your beer.
1: <laughs> no, there's no, there was no spillage. Okay. But,
0: yeah. <laughs> uh, you can find us at mke tailgate. You can also submit questions to milwaukees.tailgate at gmail.com or through our Facebook page for Milwaukee's tailgate baseball podcast. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, and in the Google play store play store there we go um you can leave reviews help people find the podcast so uh thanks for listening and look for us again on milwaukee's tailgate